Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode, entitled A Mother's Day Gospel, was given on May 14th, 2017 by Bethany Shea. We'll be in Galatians this morning, so you're welcome to grab a Bible. Where are the Bibles? Oh, thanks. Um, and we'll be in Galatians chapter 1, but let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the scripture this morning and get into God's word and see what it has for us. So um, if you can, open up your hands as a way of symbolically releasing this time before the Lord. So Jesus, we love you, and we're so glad that we get to gather together in this group of people, in this church, and just um, be your people, be your family, be your hands and your feet in the world. Um, We release this time before you, Lord. We know that Mother's Day can be really hard for a lot of people. Um, desiring to become a mom and not being able to, or losing a mom this year, the past few years, um, estrangement, all those sorts of things can be really hard on Mother's Day. And so we release all that pain to you. Uh, We pray that you hold that with us and for us. Uh, And and God, we want to receive from you too, Jesus. We want to receive... Uh, what you have for us in your scriptures today and the love that you want to want us to receive god i pray that our hearts are open to receiving that this morning and may we rejoice in motherhood and that you are a god who creates that you speak of your of you being the one who bears us in your own womb so lord we, we praise you for that as well we thank you for this time we love you in jesus name amen amen Did everybody call their moms yeah, kind of, sort of, not yet. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so uh, Jason and I are in, as most of you know, we're in seminary, and we have a paper due tonight at midnight on, um, <laughs> on Galatians 1, which is totally not a Mother's Day message, but I was like, why not preach on Galatians 1 and hear from you guys, and then I'll include all your thoughts in my paper. So, <laughs> not quite, but kind of. Kind of that's kind of happening here. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Galatians isn't necessarily a Mother's Day passage. Um, the first part of Galatians is all about the gospel, um, and we'll read it in a minute here. But uh, sometimes we get distracted by all the thickness of Scripture and all the good stuff in Scripture that we we forget the simple message of the gospel that Jesus preached and that Paul continued on and that the church continues to move forward. And, um, and oftentimes religion can come in the way. It kind of makes us, um, makes discipleship a little bit more complicated. Sometimes you might feel like you have to know all the, all the right answers or say the right hallelujahs at the right time and know when to kneel or sit or cross yourself or uh, you know, how to say amen or do I raise my hands in worship? Is that even allowed here or should I keep my hands in my pocket? Sometimes those sorts of things are really good, but at the same time they can become a little complicated and makes the gospel a little muddied. Um, and this is not a new concept, like this idea of how does religion fit and how does the gospel fit today. It's, it's definitely not a new concept to American religion. Uh, if you look at missionaries, uh, past and present missionaries, oftentimes they can unknowingly complicate things for those that they were sharing the gospel with. Um, and you can read stories about that where they've placed heavy burdens of, of religious conformity upon the people uh, that can kind of muddy the waters. And what we're going to see this morning in, in the book of Galatians is that that was kind of happening for the people there. 
So this morning, we're just going to look at that basic gospel message. What is that basic message? How does it affect our lives day in and day out? And what can we take from that place from here into our regular lives? So let's turn to Galatians chapter one. We're going to read it, and then I'm going to give you some backstory information of it, and then try to apply it to our, to our lives. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Um, I meant to have a picture on, on the screen, and I forgot to put it out. Um, but Galatia is, is an area in Asia Minor. And it's, it's not just like the church in Galatia. It's not like one church. It was actually a bunch of different churches, a bunch of different communities in this area. There were a bunch of different cities in Galatia that Paul had um, went to and preached the gospel to and set up churches at. Um, so when Paul writes this letter, it's not just like to one specific congregation or body of believers. It's to the multiple churches in all of Asia Minor that he set up there. So it says here in chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 to 10. And he writes, and he says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, and now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I am now trying to win the approval of human beings or of, or of God. Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. Amen. So I don't know if you caught on to this, but um, I sense this feeling of frustration in Paul's voice and his writing. There's this like this obvious frustration that Paul is experiencing while he's writing this down. It seems like he is expecting more out of these churches in Galatia than, and they have fully disappointed him. He is just like, this is what I've heard about, and I'm so disappointed in you. So I want to know, I wanted to look at this and see like, okay, so what is that gospel that he preached? And how is it, what, how is a different gospel coming to place? Because I always thought the gospel was good news. So if Paul preached the good news, what is something else out there that's also good news that they could be um, swayed by, that they could be accepting of? Um, so we're going to look at what this good news was that he first implemented into the churches in Galatia. So turn with me to Acts, and you can keep your finger in Galatians, or you can turn back there later. But turn with me to Acts. We spent a whole year in Acts, and we only got through like half of it. So some of this might be familiar to you. Um, but Acts is 
the, it's like the story of the early church, of this, this first church movement um, where the people of God, the people of Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit and then went out and preached the gospel and brought more people into the saving relationship with Jesus Christ and set up different communities to worship Jesus together. Um, and it's basically the story of those people, specifically the story of Paul and the story of Peter. Um, and oftentimes in the Bible, that heading under Acts is Acts of the Apostles. But truly, I believe it's Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's really the Holy Spirit that compels us to do the works of God in the world. And so it's not like the church of Bethany or the church of so-and-so. There are churches called Bethany Church, but that's just because there's a location in Israel called Bethany. Uh, but it's not the church of so-and-so. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church of the people of God being compelled by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work of God in the world. So we're in chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. Um, it says here in verse 22, we spent a lot of time in, in this passage uh, last year, but it says, um, it says, like, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch, and Antioch is in Syria. When he arrived and saw what the, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. If you can remember, Saul's that guy who was like murdering Christians and throwing them in prison. And then he gets hit over the head with a blinding light from Jesus Christ. And he, con he converts to Christ. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. And he spends a number of years in his hometown. Because oftentimes when something crazy happens in our life, we have to go home, right? We have to like be in that space and that's okay. So Barnabas knows, okay, Saul's back at his hometown. I need to find Saul because God is obviously calling him to do something. When he found, found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Um, and then we go into verse 25, 12, 25. What does it say there? Then when, when Barnabas and Paul had finished their mission, they returned home from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Go on to the bottom, it says in verse three, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them off. Um, and then it goes on to, uh, it says that they were commissioned out that way. Uh, and then it says that they went to Cyprus. So from Antioch in, in Syria, I wish I had the, the uh, map, but imagine Jerusalem's down here, Antioch's up here, there's got like the sea or the Mediterranean Sea over here, and they're in Antioch over here, and they, they come in this ship over to Cyprus, which is an island, and they stay in Cyprus for a bit, they share the gospel in Cyprus, and then from there they get on the ship and they come up to Galatia. And in Galatia, there's also a town called Antioch, so it gets a little confusing, but there's a city called Lystra and a city called um, other cities, Pam Paphos and Pamphylia and those sorts of places. And so they go into Galatia. And while they're, they're there, um, it says in verse 14, chapter 13, verse 14, from Perga they went on to Pisidion and Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. So obviously, there were Jewish people who lived in this area who had set up synagogues, priests that were using the spaces for that. So even though this is kind of a Roman territory, a Greek territory, there are Jewish people there that have set up synagogues. 
After reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of ex exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. This is his gospel. So when we read in Galatians and we read that they don't have the gospel any longer, the one that he gave them, this is the gospel right here that we're going to read. This is what he set in place for the people. Verse 17, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. So what is the gospel? The gospel is God's faithfulness to his promises. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you're looking for. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. It goes on and it says that the people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in, word, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, the euangelion, what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. And then skip to 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And then it goes on and it says that, that he, he's invited to speak to them further. Like, come, on, come back, speak to us more. We want to learn more about this. And then in verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And then it says that they were, um, in verse 51, so they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And then verse or chapter 14 
They go into the Jewish synagogue. They spend all this time there. They preach the gospel boldly to the people. In verse 7, they continue to preach the gospel. In verse 21, they're all throughout Galatia here. They're in Lystra and Derbe, and then they go back to Antioch in Syria where they were just kicked out, and it says they preach the gospel in that city. They won large number of disciples, and then they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Paul believes that he has put a good word in this church. He is obsessed with preaching the gospel. He is obsessed with every single person he comes in contact with to hear that God, who, who promised the ancestors before that he would come through for 450 years, God has been walking with the people. It feels like a long time. It is now fully completed through Jesus Christ. That God is faithful to God's word. So that is what the good news is. The gospel or good news. It's simply that God keeps God's promises. In a world where people are always breaking promises again and again, God is faithful. He did what he said he would do. And that is to seek and to save the lost and to invite humanity into a loving relationship and a loving partnership with the divine. And this is a message that we can't do on our own. We can't just muster up our own strength. God sent Jesus Christ, not only as an example for us humans to how we're meant to live because this is how we're created to live, but also as to be crucified for humanity's deliverance from the present evil age. Paul says in Galatians, this is the present evil age. And I know that you've seen the work of the gospel in your own life. I mean, somehow you're here again on a Sunday morning because you've seen the gospel at work in your own life. You are no longer held captive by anger and rage, by control and comparison, by jealousy or greed or pride because, because Jesus has forged a new path and you've tasted it and you've seen it, that it is good and that path is the one that leads to true life. It is when you are on that with Christ, everything changes. You know it. You've seen it. You've experienced it. You've, you've experienced the way that you lived before Jesus, and you know that life is different without because of this incredible love of Jesus. Those patterns and those strivings become nothing compared to what you have with Christ today. And Paul speaks about this concept in a different letter to a church in Corinth. He, he talks about um, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. It is done away with. Um, the, what you once were, the self-centered or prideful or greedy person that you once were, it's now gone. It's not you any longer. And maybe your life circumstances are the same when you've come to see Jesus. Maybe, maybe when you accepted Christ's love into your life, it's not like all of a sudden you got this brand new job and your husband loves you great and your kids are like super well behaved all of a sudden. That's not usually how it works. The circumstances are oftentimes the same, but your perspective is different. I don't know if this fits because it's been like 25 years since I've seen that movie, but I don't know. Do you guys ever remember that movie Pleasantville? Came out a long time ago. Anyway, some of the older, yeah, okay. All you young folks. So it's with Reese Witherspoon, and, and the whole movie's in black and white. And then something happens, and I don't remember exactly what happens, but somehow, like, she sees the world in color for the first time. And she can no longer go back to, go back to seeing the world in black and white. And I feel like that's the same thing with Jesus. Like, when you, when you accept Christ, 
you're no longer who you once were. Maybe the circumstances in your life are, the, are similar, but you no longer see those circumstances in the same way. Everything is no longer black and white. Everything is like color and full and full of life because of Jesus Christ. The gospel is simply that God declares that he's made all things that were broken and undone, and he's joined it back together, and he's invited you into it, and God hasn't forgotten you. And when a person accepts the love of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection, a person begins to see the world in a new way as a new creation, and we just respond in that new way. And this is good news. This is what Paul is saying is good news, that God loves you so much and wants you to receive that love and allow that love to change your perspective towards everything. And there's nothing you can do to earn that love. And there's nothing you can do to lose that love. Nothing. It just is what it is. And so for Paul, who worked so hard for Jesus in Galatia to bring the people into a deeper understanding of God's love and faithfulness expressed and, and he expressed it as such a simple concept of good news. Like it wasn't anything complicated. It was just simple. He's confused on how they could get it so wrong. It's been eight years since Paul, since Acts happened and he was in Galatia setting up those churches and he left and he goes to do some other things. And then he writes this letter when he receives word. It's been eight years since Paul was there. A lot can happen in eight years, right? <laughs> Life happens, life changes, people die in eight years. Life circumstances change with marriage or with divorce or with babies and illnesses and career changes. Not to mention leadership changes that happen within the church. Disagreements and bickering that can happen with that. Just daily human normal interactions. Everything changes in eight years. So where's that constant there? Think of your life eight years ago. <laughs> what were you doing eight years ago? Who have you lost? What friendships have changed in eight years? Which ones have grown into this deep, abiding, loving friendship that you never knew was possible? And other ones that have grown apart that you never saw coming? Eight years. High school, graduation, Babies being born, marriages happening, career changes, moves. How has your relationship with Jesus grown or faltered in eight years? The ebb and flow of what that looks like. Are you the same person you were eight years ago as you are today? And I look at those eight years between Paul leaving Galatia and writing this letter to them, and I'm just not surprised by their changes. Paul's surprised. I just, I look at my life eight years ago, and I feel like I've changed quite a bit too. I feel like my perspective on life is different. I feel like there's been maybe a couple constants, but for the most part, so much ebb and flow within life. But Paul is so frustratingly irritated that so much change has happened. That what is going on in their church communities is happening because they've rejected the gospel that Paul had made so simple for them to understand and be transformed by. This gospel is like, 
It's the message of God's incredible acceptance of sinners. That God's mercy and grace, God continually pours out upon humans who deserve none of it. Like, we deserve nothing, you guys. Like, we deserve death and lights out and an evil age that Paul talks about. We deserve it because we made our beds and we should just lie in them, right? Like, that's what we deserve. And God says, yeah, but no. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's, that's probably what you deserve, but no, that's not how it's going to go down. That's just not how I work. I've made a new way, God says. I've made a new path through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and I declare you worthy of my love all the time. You are accepted. You are loved. Simple as that. The Bible calls this concept grace. And Paul is astonished that they've been led astray, but it makes sense because grace is hard. Like, we want to work for acceptance, right? We want, we want to make sure that people see only our perfect self. We want to make sure that people love us because we deserve that love. It's a tale of old. It's the same story again and again because nothing is free and you have to earn it. You have to be perfect. You have to succeed and work hard all the time. And then what you receive is something that you deserve and you feel good for it. And you get to like feel really good at the end of the day. Like I worked hard for this and I deserve this because I worked for it. And that feels good. It's part of our human condition. And I think it's something to be okay with and celebrate sometimes. But grace rubs people the wrong way. It's so backwards because mercy feels needy and neediness doesn't fit with our American life. It just doesn't. Neediness feels a lot like humility and that doesn't feel quite right either. And I wonder if that's probably why Jesus kept pointing to children. Uh, For examples in scripture, like, look, the children who are fully reliant upon other people are the ones who are getting it. They're the ones who understand. They understand this gift of grace. Yeah. And Jesus keeps pointing to impoverished people again and again. And and he's like, yep, these guys, they understand what grace is. They understand their need because it's on a different level. Their hands are already open to receive. They've already created themselves a posture because of their neediness. They already are in that place of desiring and receiving and able to do something with that. And looking through the rest of the passage, the rest of the book of Galatians, I was wondering what that false gospel was. Like when I was reading it first, the first couple times through, I was like, what kind of good news is there out there other than the one that Jesus offers us? Like what else could trade, would somebody trade their life for? And you know, you always think of like, oh, well, it must have been some sort of like perversion of some sort or, oh, they want to be in the world or they just want to do Coke all the time or something like that. They probably didn't do Coke back then, but... It happens here in Humboldt. And there's this desire like, oh, I just, life is better outside the body of Christ. Like Jesus is good, but this experience that I can do right now is so much better than what Jesus offers because it's right now. I don't have to wait eight years, right? I don't think that's what it was at all though. I think there's truth there. But I think the other gospel, this false gospel that this church was desiring to grab a hold of was one of works. It was one of works. 
Because grace is too simple. Forgiveness and mercy is just too simple. Receiving is much too simple and much too hard because we want to justify everything. We want to find our identity by how other people see us and make sure that they're seeing into our lives and our perfect self, best self forward. By being the right kind of Christian with the right kind of sayings and the right kind of kneeling at the right kind of times and making sure that you have all the hallelujahs and all the Bible verses posted on your Instagram page or whatever it is. Like this is, this is how great I'm doing with the Lord. We want to be the kinds of people that others can look into the windows of our lives and see that we worked really hard to get where we are in God's good standing. But the gospel is just simply God's gracious gift of abundant life through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says in, in Galatians, he goes on to verse or chapter 2. He kind of talks about what that false gospel is. And he says in um, chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The law is there. It helps give us direction, and it's not something that we are meant to like do away with or anything like that. And Jesus even says, I didn't come to abolish the law or bury it under a rock or forget about the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to make it complete. Because when you place your faith and trust in Jesus as your source of life, everything changes. You become a new creation as the Holy Spirit compels and empowers you to see the world from a new perspective. You can no longer see the world in black and white. Everything is in color. There's a quote by, um, by uh, John Wesley. And he says, he says, um, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. And sometimes that quote becomes the mantra that we like move forward in, and, and we do those good works because it feels good to do them, right? We're doing it because it makes us feel good for good standing with God. But the thing is, is that we don't do good works to receive love or salvation. We do good works. We do all the good we can as long as we possibly can in a response to the lavish love and salvation that God just pours out upon us. And that's the simple gospel. Sometimes we just need to hear it again and again. That, that's, that's it. That's all it is. That is why we gather together week after week and this simple gospel in eight years or 18 years or 80 years, like, what is the constant? Because life is going to change in eight years from now. You're going to forget who you are in so many ways in eight years from now and 80 years from now. But that constant, that constant is Jesus Christ and his love for you. So when you go through the horrible times of your life, when you lose friendships, when your spouse passes away, when horrible things happen, and you're like, where is God? Like that song that we just sang on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You can't stand on your people. You can't stand on your career. You can't stand on your children living vicariously through them. You can't stand on your marriage. You can't stand on 
global warming or whatever it is. You can't stand on those things. All you can truly stand on is Christ. That is the constant in our life. And then everything else flows through that. We just get to bless other people because of the way that God has blessed us through Jesus. And we get to invite people into that. So we're going to worship Jesus together because one of the things within the gospel is... um, is communion. And oftentimes um, in the in different churches, they call communion Eucharist, which comes from the Greek word Eucharisto. And that simply means thanksgiving. It means grace and thanksgiving. And so we come together and we receive the body of Christ with the, bre- the bread and, and the blood of Christ with the juice. And the only posture we could possibly take isn't like, oh, look at my life. I'm doing so good. I totally deserve this. Yep, God, thanks. You, you are so lucky to have me on your team, God. You are so lucky. Now, all we can say is thank you. That's it. Simply say thank you. And then allow that to transform our lives as we pour out a blessing upon other people. We practice open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of this church or any church. We just, um, we just ask that you have a heart willing to receive Jesus and say thank you again. And so whenever you're ready, you can come to the back and I will give you a piece of bread that represents Christ's body broken for you. And you can dip it in the juice, which represents his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that your sins are not counted against you because of what God has done. And so that's what we say thankful, thank you for. Nothing we've ever done, nothing we will ever do will ever be counted against us. God just loves us, forgives us, and invites us into a new way of seeing the world and working in it. Any thoughts? Any, anything that could help me in my paper later? Just kidding. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, the gospel is so simple, and we really complicate it in so many ways, but I want it to be simple. Yeah, please. I, every time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. How have you seen that hope in your life? Well, um, it's grown immensely um, because sometimes you don't know that you need something yeah. until somebody shows you that you need something. So yeah. Every apple and upbringing, I really didn't need anything. Right. Um, until I came to a crisis in my life and somebody told me. Good, good. Thank you. Marta, you were nodding a lot there. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, I just, you know, I'm here because um, everything for me, I've always kind of had the hope of Christ, but I've been angry and frustrated in my growth in Christ. Mm. And what has happened to me is just the security Mm. because of, you know, like my journey. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed in Christ. I've always had that hope. But just security was 
endeavor, something that I could really put right. my finger on. And as you go into your paper, just have that security. Thank you. I bombed on my and I just like, you know, oh, I, I, I battled Jesus just a couple days ago. Like, why? You know, why was I yeah. stupid? Why did I do better? But then, you know, after that, I had the security and my daughter, and they, you know, just that I have gifts around me. And it's like the security that doesn't need me yeah. anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even when I'm just in moments of embroiled, pathetic feelings, I would say that, you know, for me, it's a security in Christ that nothing that comes is going to make me waver. Mm -hmm. And that even the people that challenge me with, all these things, including my husband, a few minutes ago, you know, that I'm okay, I'm good. I yeah. just, I gotta just go to Christ. Good, good. Security in Christ. Good. Thank you. Yeah, please. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah, there's there's so much there with that for sure. Good. Yeah. Please. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Because mm. today we have, you know, these people over here that say, we have the truth. Mm. And these people over here that say, we have the truth. But the thing is, they're incompatible. Mm. And they're cursing each other. Right. And that, this seems to feed into that. Could you clarify that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a really good question. Um, I think... I think for them, they were literally being polarized as well. I don't know if, the, if God's curse was the polarizing thing. I think it was just, uh, if you keep reading in Galatians, there were people who were still believing that everybody had to follow the, the, law, uh, the law and the prophets to a T um, to be a part of this whole Jesus movement. Um, so it wasn't like it was the, the Jews against the Christians. It was Jewish Christians against... Um, Christian Christians or whatever, like the, Gentiles. yeah, well, Gentile Christians for sure, but even um, just within the fact that, or within the idea that, that Jesus had, had come to, um, to fulfill it all, that faith in Christ was where you, you, that's a starting point, and all the law and all the prophets and all those sorts of things and all the, the festivals and feasts and circumcision was something that he talks about later on as well, were... Uh, just added to it, but it wasn't the truth. And so they were taking all of those things and making that the gospel, saying, Jesus, yeah, he's cool, but if you're not doing all these things to a T, then you're not living, um, then you're not doing it the way that God instilled it to be done. So almost like Jesus wasn't as important. It, that's a little bit confusing. But, but, and, but that's true. A lot of, um, there's so many churches. I mean, you look at all these different denominations out there. We are, Catalyst is a non-denominational church. Jason and I are also Methodist pastors, so we're part of another denomination. Um, there's just so many different ones out there, and it's oftentimes because we have a hard time keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost, 
and that we get to put our faith in him and live into a new way of living, our faith and hope, absolutely. Um, and those, those other things that are, are important are important for, uh, they're important as much as they lead us into a better understanding of God's grace and God's love. But if they pull the church away from it, if we get so distracted by all of this, this fighting and bickering that happens, I believe that that's the way that the enemy keeps us from being distracted in what God has called people to do. Because we, we can't invite people into something that we keep fighting about. No one wants to be a part of that. And I, and I think that's a really tricky way the enemy keeps us distracted. So, um, yeah, that's a good question, though. I, I do want to search out what it means by God's curse, though, because I don't have an answer for that one. So I'm going to have to look that into, in, into that a little bit deeper. What were you going to say? I was thinking about her comment about, you know, God is like her parents. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me? You just need to believe that I'm real and that I care enough about you to have grace. And get all these children are like, no, my thing, this is best, and I'm right. And I think more about themselves than they are about the path to truth. That's good. That's good. Yeah, Ian. Also, when you I know we could probably keep talking about this over and over again, which is so much fun, but I know everybody needs to get out of here eventually for lunch and all that. But um, just know that when people receive, when they invite Jesus in, when they give their life over to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within them. And they become part of a big family. And so oftentimes we do pin churches against each other, as, as we tend to do with families and everything as well. But regardless, like we are all part of one big family. And that family is meant to bless each other, to invite each other into a different way of living, um, where it looks like we love people, we love God, and we serve God with our whole hearts. Every area of our life is given over to the Lord first. And so that's what we do together as the family of God in Humboldt County and beyond this place. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.